Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... Uh, it's me, Peter. Hello. Hello, Peter. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. I'm very well. This is a special podcast, isn't it? Very special, because I can reach out and put my hand upon your shoulder. <laughs> Thank you. That's that quite nice. <laughs> yeah, the li- listeners can probably hear we're grin- grinning. So, yeah, listener, we have met up not for the first time, but for the first time to sit and play Arkham together, and we've had an afternoon playing The Unspeakable Oath. Yeah. And we thought we'd bring you an episode about that. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And also, because I'm here recording this together, it means Frank doesn't have to spend most of the evening synchronising our waveforms on on his recording program <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully this will be a, a simple one to tidy up and and get out and that kind of thing spoilers before we go any further we thought in this episode we would talk about the path to Car- carcosa so far so if you've not played any of the path to carcosa this will be a spoiler heavy story spoiler heavy brief episode so probably play unspeakable oath before you listen to this. Yeah, we're keen to get into some of the details of what's happened so far in the story, so we hope everyone's up to date when they they start to listen to this. And it's a little bit like we did a a mid-season break during uh, the Dunwich Legacy campaign after Blood on the Altar. This is probably slightly similar to that, where we're just touching base on all the things that are going on in the campaign. So yeah, play Unspeakable Oath, check where your campaign is up to, and then turn us on and listen. But before we really talk about that, we played together for the first time today. How was it? it yeah, well, it was interesting, wasn't it? We, we we should clarify what we did was we played this scenario standalone. Yeah. So I quickly put together a deck when I arrived at, at Frank's abode. And yeah, so first time we've done it. And I think it, it went well. I think so too. There was quite a lot of um, enjoyable synchronicity of sort of handing cards over, passing things around. We've not completely fallen out realised that <laughs> one of us doesn't know the rules or something like that that's always the risk yeah it was good I think it was a, it was a good scenario the style of scenario without wanting to get too much into the particular scenario it's the kind of thing I like the way I like playing the game yeah we had a few slightly hairy moments yeah <laughs> where lots of things appeared at once and we had a, an amazing storm of spirits moment which yeah oh yeah yeah that was good which felt good yeah yeah. Like, well, you, you specifically said, this would be a great time to play Storm of Spirits, Peter. <laughs> yeah, and then you ended up discarding Storm of Spirits out of your it, yeah. Hand. Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh no! Yeah, listeners, if you're interested, I was playing... So we were playing standalone, so we, we decided to go 19 XP. I was playing Jenny Barnes, 19 XP, and I had lent quite heavily into investigation and agility. Uh, I was doing Agnes, but yeah, because I love Agnes. And I just went slightly heavier on the fight side. So I had a smattering of investigate cards, but I'd focus my experience. In fact, most of my experience went on two level five shrivelings. Yeah. And certainly at least five of that experience was well invested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I was potentially doing more of the fighting and you were doing more of the investigating. Yeah. But as we found out in Unspeakable Oath, it works in quite a strange way as a scenario and certainly some of the intellect icons in my hand didn't come in too handy, certainly in the second half of the scenario. Yeah, I think I took maybe, I took one intellect test in the whole game, I think. Yeah. And that was one where I just used Lucky to succeed anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just all of my, um, so I was also um, playing Dario Elamine, 
for the first time. And that was, it's very easy as Jenny to get up to 10 resources. And I think it was fairly useful to go up to four intellect and four willpower and Jenny is felt quite strong. Yeah. We, you, you, you had used a big chunk of your experience on the Golden Pocket Watch as well, hadn't you? Yes, 8 so, XP on that. So have you used that in a campaign, or is this the first time you've used it? I have used it in a campaign before, Okay. and you always feel so desperate about when to <laughs> get it down and when to play it, and particularly in Dunwich, where there are cards that target, you know, pushed into the beyond, takes a card from the table and yeah. shuffles it back into your deck, which is infuriating. It definitely, I think just because it's 8 XP, you're more protective of it than any other card. Well, we had the debate in this scenario, because this scenario had Corrosion yeah. in it, which is a card which targets items. And actually, it didn't hurt us as badly, this this scenario, as I, w- I was worried it might do. Uh, I think we managed to pretty much pitch you useless items. You more or less didn't have any items apart from axes and painkillers. Yeah. <laughs> classic yeah. <laughs> and i had flashlights and liquid courage so i was shining lights and drinking whiskey and between us that seemed to to help i think corrosion it's quite it is quite swingy depending on where you end up because if you're on a two shroud location a flashlight will do and that's okay you're then you're then in a sort of nice place but if you end up on a five or six shroud location it then can sort of empty everyone's hand so yeah it's, it's yeah. interesting to see that a little bit of knowledge can you know, knowing what cards to keep in hand or how to protect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've if you've played, the one thing you don't want to do is play high cost item or a high experience item, and then lose it straight away. So yeah. you maybe want something like a buffer to protect it. And at least because corrosion says from the table or your hand, you yeah. can play the high cost item down and protect it by keeping something else in hand. If we see in later scenarios corrosion and things that make you discard out of your hand, that could be a really nasty combo. And we took advantage of the fact that other players can... Yeah. The item, they can discard items to help you match the corrosion. In fact, yeah. they, they must do, I guess. We're waiting to hear if Matt Newman is going to rule okay. that that's a misunderstanding on it. If you don't know that, listener, corrosion, the way it's worded at the moment, doesn't restrict it just to you. It... it it's any investigators at your location, which means in theory you could be at a five shroud location and not have any item assets. But you know your Roland character with the forty-five automatic would have to discard that, or you know you can end up forcing other items to be discarded. It's slightly, slightly weirdly worded at the moment. And speaking of weird wordings and rulings, unspeakable oath I think is a fantastic scenario. But before we sort of jump into the detail of it, it seems like there are a few odd things about this scenario that I've already seen questions on Facebook about. So if you've played it already and you're scratching your head about them, one of them is that on Act 2A, 3A and 4A, it says ignore the text on Arkham Asylum locations on the unrevealed side of them. And that means that the prisoner confinement cell, patient confinement cells, patient confinement, confinement, yeah. yeah, they all say you have to spend a clue to enter them and they all have a single clue on them. But the only way you can get there is when you're at Act 2 or Act 3, where you've ignored the text of the basement to get there, and then that means you actually don't have to pay the clues. So I've actually written to Matt Newman to ask him about that. When I hear back, I'll probably put something up on Drawn to the Plane, and I'll also add it to Arkham DB on the probably on the Act decks, because I think I've seen other people ask that question as well. The other thing that's fascinating is if you've taken the clasp... No, if you haven't taken the Onyx clasp... 
you get the version of Daniel Chesterfield that you can parlay if you have the clasp. That's right, yeah. And as far as we saw, we couldn't see a way of flipping them. And I think that that might be an intentional messing with our minds. This is the thing yeah, that fascinated me about yeah. this scenario. There are a lot of things that left me thinking, you know, is he just fooling with us? And it seemed very unclear whether or not he was. I don't know. What did you... Did you... There's a lot of that, isn't there? And, and we'd looked at some of the endings and that it seems like part of the intention is to unsettle you so that you don't know what is part of the game and what isn't part of the game. So yeah. it's an interesting... People like us, we, we read the, all the cards. Yeah. So someone else, maybe not as, as nosy as us, not, yeah. as not, yeah. Yeah. not keen to read all the cards before they play, they might see that that text's on... Uh, Daniel and then wonder about uh, how they might approach that or what it means or whether there's something hidden like we remember in the Dunwich legacy we had the luggage on yes. the train which we all assumed would tie into something and then didn't yeah as and... far as anyone can see uh, and and similarly in which one is it it's curtain call where you can loot the one of the lobby back rooms the, the, right? t- the, the ticket, ticket office. office yeah yeah uh, which doesn't come to anything unless you go and tell the police about what's happened and they come and find out you've stolen some money. Yeah, yeah. And in this one, there are there are options for setting fires, for inciting a riot, for releasing a dangerous prisoner. And until you've reached a certain point in the act deck, you're left thinking, well, why would I want to you know, remember that you started a fire in the kitchen? That seems absurd. But yeah, I think definitely the game has reached a point where Matt feels he can toy with those things and... Yeah, punishes about them. One of the other things I wanted to mention was we've got two new hidden cards in this in this scenario, which are interesting as well. And, and both of them, we, we both drew one, and yeah. they both at exactly the wrong moment as well. Because you, you, you got the Gift of Madness Misery right before we entered the patient confinement area. Yeah. Uh, and I got the Gift of Madness Pity when we had three mad patients and Constance stacked up on the room we needed to get through to leave. And you maybe it's, we're about to find Storm of Spirits. That's right, yeah. Time. <laughs> yeah. They're fascinating. Again, the unnerving element of that is they have an action ability to get rid of them that throughout most of the scenario you don't know what it does. And that, I think, is a really interesting one. The other hidden cards we've had, you just spend two actions and get rid of them, so it's just a waste of time. But this one, because they're peril and hidden, they have an action ability that you can't weigh up the kind of what value, what impact that's actually going to have on the scenario. Yeah. And once you've played it, you might have more of a sense of that. But certainly early on, you're left thinking, that I will, certainly I was left thinking, do I want to do that? And I wish I could talk to the team and say, are we all going to accept that this is what's going to happen and we're all going to be doing this? And you can't, can't do that. Yeah. It's interesting as well that this mechanic where the monsters are under the uh, agenda the act, deck, act. act deck, sorry, and they don't then appear until a certain point has reached is reached, right? Yeah. So it's almost like there's there's lots of hints that we're imagining everything that's happened. We're just inmates in an asylum. The monsters kind of they don't appear at all. They just stack up somewhere yeah. behind the scenes. And when you reach a certain point, when you've gone down a certain path far enough and when Haster has been mentioned by Daniel or is it tied to the agenda deck that they appear on? Well, it's both. This is the weird thing. Does it happen on both, does it? The ones that you're putting under the act come out because of the act. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, so it's only when someone mentions the king in yellow that you suddenly start seeing monsters. Is that right? Uh, yeah, and 
if you've not put any underneath there and you've only let agenda 2b take over you'll only see one monster right in the entire scenario Interesting. So in theory if you did have pity and didn't fight any lunatics and you didn't <laughs> yeah have misery <laughs> misery i mean I, I guess if you achieved all of the goals without acting like a mad person which is almost impossible you could not I mean, it does make you feel like it, you, it is your responsibility, right? Yeah. You're actively adding, you're creating the monsters in some way. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. And then, then as far as you know, when, when things start to go mad towards the end, when you've got lots of other lunatics and lots of other mad stuff happening all at once, you've gone around setting people loose, you know, starting fights, starting fires, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, atten- essentially beating up guards as well is an interesting option for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's very it's very unnerving. After I played this on Thursday night, I messaged you saying... <laughs> What's real? <laughs> yeah, it's just so strange. And I think a lot of that must be deliberate. We know that Matt is a fairly sort of considered designer. And that, that leaves me feeling that some of the feelings of, hang on, if you go this route, you're expecting X, but you get Y. Or if you put monsters on the act why would you put them on the act and not the agenda you know all sorts of these aspects that leave you feeling uncomfortable and they all lead to can we talk about one of the possible resolutions here yeah please do yeah i think we've said it's a spoiler episode so people should have played this so this this scenario just like essex and dunwich has an investigative defeat section and before you read any resolution you have to read investigated defeat if an investigator was defeated however unlike Essex and I won't really say more about Essex because we don't want to spoil that if you haven't played Dunwich yet but unlike Essex if you're defeated in this scenario your investigator is driven insane and that means end of campaign for that investigator as far as we're aware you could then pick a new investigator and carry on with no XP but if you can't get through scenario 4 of Carcosa game's up Mm. and that didn't really occur, hasn't really occurred in the same way at this point to have a sort of a midway point that is a real hurdle, a real kind of checkpoint that you have to either clear or not. Personally, I'm quite impressed. I think if you're struggling as a campaign, maybe you've taken trauma already, you you had a rough scenario two or three or something like that. I think it's in a way, I think it's partly how I play. You don't want to be limping all the way through, or certainly I don't enjoy that kind you just of like... You need to kill them off and stuff. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> face it, if you can't get through Unspeakable Oath, you know, maybe maybe you need to think about what you've done or how you approached it. And maybe that in, in itself is sort of facing the madness that you need to go back to basics about how you've built your deck, what's missing, how you respond to the... It's sort of really, it feels to me, Matt Newman turning the light back on us and saying, are you really re- able to do this? Which in yeah. itself is kind of interesting. What did you think, well, having seen that resolution? What's interesting is that it's you feel like having read some of the other ones, and you, I think the the scenario becomes more interesting when you know what happens when you fail, because it feels like those investigators doing well are better at deluding themselves about what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. It, you know, we we tore through a beast of Aldebaran and all this kind of stuff. We we ran out of there you tore your straitjacket off at the last minute to get us over the fence. Yeah. But is that because... I wore a straitjacket all game. You did, like, yeah. The record, you that on record the second turn, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and we nearly we nearly took it off me at one point, and I still wasn't ready to put a flashlight down, and I was thinking, oh, I'll take it off when I have Jenny's guns ready to go, and I never did. 
You actually managed to do some pickpocketing, even though you were in a straight jacket, didn't you? Yeah, that's sort of quite, quite impressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so you're as you become more powerful, you're. It's like you're almost better at ignoring reality and diving. If we assume none of what's happening is real, diving yeah. further down this spiral into madness. And certainly, investigator defeat suggests that there is an alternate reality, and that reality is that we're completely delusional, which is kind of kind of terrifying yeah 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 so yeah the, the other little thing that i did like was when you this uh what triggers it when all the the lunatics the first agenda the first agenda you only get two doom yeah, yeah. Uh, and then seven lunatics get shuffled into the deck which i liked as well i liked how and then by that point you're starting to explore and you're seeing everywhere is mysteriously deserted yeah and then you realize it's because they're all running around behind behind the scenes I also like explode out. Yeah. You had pointed out to me there's a there's a slight Easter egg reference to the core set campaign. Mm, yeah, um, in one of the patient confinement was, cells. Yeah, we we'll leave that for the the listeners to try and spot. And that Easter egg is hinted at in the setup instructions as well. Oh, is in, it in the? Well, here. Let's have a look. Interesting. Yeah. You've recognised a few faces. A few faces. <laughs> cool. I think that's that, right? <laughs> yeah, it must be. Yeah. It could be could be something completely different. Or it could be that you recognise your own face. Or, uh, or if, fellow inmates. In yeah. fact, one of the cells... What is one of the cells? Well, if you've got the, the, the confinement cells there, there was a... Is it, you recall a way out, don't you? That's what it says. Test uh, willpower X, where X is the amount of horror on you. If you succeed, you recognise the room. Remember that you recalled the way out. So one of the things about this investigator defeat is that you, your investigator's driven insane... And then it says you can choose a new investigator and carry on. And when I first read that, I understood it to mean if every investigator has been defeated, the campaign's over. But if someone has survived, everyone else can choose a new investigator. But I think I've got that wrong. What it means by saying if there are not enough investigators is from your collection of 16, you could then pick another two or three or however many players you are and go again. And so that means in my solo campaign as Sephina, who's gone insane, Mm -hmm. I could now choose a new investigator and play again and even though in my head it's a new campaign once I get to Unspeakable Oath I would recognise the way out and I would see ah, familiar faces Interesting. and it's that weird thing of the game saying actually you think you might be doing something new but you're actually in a loop ah, and it, wow. the, the, the scenario seems to be written to acknowledge the the attempts that have gone before Yeah. Oh, because how else do you recognise a way out unless yeah. you've been in the asylum before and how else do you recognise faces unless it's Wolfman Drew and yourself from earlier times? So it's kind of creepy. Yeah, well, I, 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 I talked to someone about this on, on Discord. I can't remember the exact what it triggered it the first time round. Talked about this idea that you might have to repeat everything, uh, that, that you might be stuck in some sort of loop. Yeah. That's really cool. I yeah, that a lot. really cool. The, the only other thing I wanted to mention about the, that ending, which I just this is just a personal fun moment, is... Akachian Mark is my blind playthrough with my buddy Sean and we got to this scenario and it was going really poorly for us we were finding it really hard to investigate understandably and we you know had bad draws and things like that and as it was nearing what looked like the doom threshold was going to tick over for the last time we said what should we do is you know is it is it game over what do we want to do and you know something you have a bad attempt at it and Sean said well this is our this is our blind playthrough it's our iron man we'll accept the outcome, whatever it is. It might be a trauma, but we'll just keep going. And I said, yeah, that's that's what I would want to do as well. I wouldn't want to just 
cheese it or replay it and then we got to the ending which meant <laughs> just answered like, for you. <laughs> oh yes we won't be just taking a trauma that's the end of that campaign for them and the weird thing is that they they've they're insane so we could pick up two new investigators and carry on but essentially that can even though it doesn't say you lose the campaign that campaign is over yeah and there's there's two options for a new campaign either that we start at scenario five or that we start at scenario one again yeah Oh, interesting. Very interesting. I, I, the other thing I'll just briefly note, I, I made a prediction before we opened this pack that Constance would show up in it. And yeah. it looks like it might be similar through the rest. But my prediction was it would do that someone from the VIP party would show up in every scenario. Yeah, and as far... Oh, let's make that further prediction then. Yeah. We've seen Sebastian and Constance. Yeah. And then that leaves Jordan, Ishimaru and Ashley. Yeah. Jordan mentions a cafe in Paris. The Lost Lamb. The Lost Lamb. And we're going to Paris next. Ashley mentions a haunting song with waves and a storm. Yep. And we know that Black Stars Rise scenario, well, fifth pack scenario seven is at Mont Saint-Michel in a storm. Yeah. And that means if Ishimaru Haruko is going to come in, the pack between A Phantom of Truth and Black Stars Rise is the Pallid Mask. And she talks about the set design. She talks about the mask and she talks about a very elaborate symbol symbol that is concentric circles. Yeah. That could be a labyrinth symbol. Yeah, or could be, you yeah. Get, you get those sort of circular labyrinth designs. Although obviously, as far as we know, the, the labyrinth in pallid mask is sort of, what's it called when it goes in right angles? Rectilinear. Yeah. So it... It could be that those are our next three, Jordan, Ishimaru, and and then Ashley. Which, you know, if you've got that right, Peter, that's a cool prediction. Yeah. And that would lead to some big conclusion for Dim Carcosa, where all five have been dealt with. Well, yeah, they all, they all show up. Well, and speaking of which, Constance's role in Unspeakable Oath is really interesting, because Sebastian is just, you get a clue on a location that you can try and grab. Yeah. But Constance is, you get a sanity buffer. You get what is essentially a cherished keepsake yeah two two free sanity yeah which is nice and important for this scenario where that plays off sanity to a great degree fascinating well i can't see where it's going to go next i can't wait to see rather where it's going to go next what's the next next pack called a phantom of truth a phantom of truth and that's the one that where we first go to paris yeah we're running around paris yeah interesting yeah it feels what it feels like as well is that this is a really firm line in the sand that we've now escaped a, uh, a mental institution and are on the run. And if they want to throw police chasing us, if that, that gives such a good motivation for us going to Paris, that's not simply the kind of, we should go to that place and investigate. It's like, we could we could be going to Paris because we're fleeing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it, it really sort of muddies why we're doing what we're doing and, and adds, I think, quite an interesting oomph for the second half of the campaign. I'm excited. I think it might be after Christmas before we see any more. Well, that gives us some time to digest this. I'd like to have a crack at it. I've got to play with my blind playthrough group, which is four people. Yeah. Which could be interesting. That would be very interesting, yeah. I think because a lot of it is based on go to a location and perform an action, Yeah, it could be easier. Excuse me. It could be easier with more players. Yeah. But that remains to be seen. Because <laughs> you have to get a lot of clues early on. Yes. Yeah. And it's v- it's very um, VP positive, isn't it? There are a lot of victory points floating around. So I think you can also end up getting bogged down hunting for XP. That's right. There's even some hidden in the in the monster deck. Yeah. 
who will who will yeah yeah wow at least three depending on the deck. yeah depending on what you get yeah if you have a, a designated monster slayer you can uh... well you might even because because I I had the uh, gift of madness pity which shuffles and monster into the encounter deck yeah because we had the agenda out that that forced that effect and we had two cards left and I was waiting until we'd shuffled in order to play it. But if you were tooled up and ready to fight, maybe you want to see that sooner rather than later. Yeah, pull another monster in, get it out of the way. Great. Well, I think that's that's everything from me. <laughs> that's everything from me as well. This is really good. Nice to talk in the flesh. And we should try not to make it a year before we do it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to know more about our decks, why not send us a message? We can always send you the links. Yeah. They were just... You know, so oh, that's I knew I'd forgotten a detail. Drawing my basic weaknesses, so you have to take two basic weaknesses if you're a 19 XP. And I drew both copies of Overzealous. Yeah, that which was nice. Like that, given that I'm a very enthusiastic person, <laughs> perfectly in keeping. So yeah, that was that was just a fun. Oh, man, Overzealous is such a nightmare. And yeah. every time I've had it, it's made a bad situation worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we we got off fairly well. I drew into one surge card with one Overzealous, which was good because then it it adding the surge is not doesn't feel as bad. So yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, we're drawn to the flame on Facebook. We're drawn to the flame on Twitter. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail Shout out to Australian Peter, who is thinking about removing Drawn to the Flame from his daisy deck, like a madman. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Northern Peter was very shocked to discover this. And yeah, send us messages. We're always grateful for them. Thank you for the guys who are, have been sending us photos on Twitter as well. Uh, Leto, Gary, it's really cool. Uh, and now we've finally met in person. We've managed to open this mysterious package that was that was sent, uh, and it's it's a it's an emergency stash, emergency stash, emergency cash, yeah, of equipment from one of our fans in America, uh, Nathan. So thank you very much, Nathan. We'll be putting that to good use fighting the eldritch monstrosities <laughs> which have emerged. Yeah, and probably some of that stuff we're going to do giveaways with. So. Think yeah, about the best way to do that. We'll get our thinking caps on. You get your thinking caps on. I had this vague idea. Wouldn't it be great if we do a designer card thing? But rather than asking people to design cards and send them to us, what we do is I'm going to leave this in. We'd ask people to leave a review, and they can in the review say a word that they want a card designed around, and we would come up with a cool card idea for them. Oh God. <laughs> No one would do that, right? No. <laughs> Listen, if you would like us to design cards for you, let us know. I mean, my, my worry is you're giving us a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I want to give something back. Anyway, we've got, we're going to have some goodies to give away as well in some way. That could be fun. Peter, if people want to get in touch with you and not the podcast, how do they do that? Well, I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm on the Reddit, the Twitter, and the Discord, all as Unitled. So that's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. How about you? I'm on Twitter as FB, that's E-P-H underscore B-E-E, and I'm around the place as Zozo or Zooey Glass as well. I'm on Discord as that. And yeah, send us each a message if you want to do that. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, and this has been a pleasure. Bye.